We've been talking about following God, and last week we said we're moving. We've been talking about following sounds and tracks, but we've been talking about pursuing God as a professional hunter, learning where he feeds, learning where he walks, learning his habits, learning his traits, because we found this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I follow God. It means a professional pursuer. I'm not in it for the recreation. It's my occupation. And so what happens is, is that you, you learn the stalking is the wrong word, but you learn to pursue God. And so we said this before, but some, some people here that come here that you, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but it's pretty obvious. Some people are just here because it's recreational, something to do. But some of us are here, but if we don't get it today, we may not survive this week. And I can tell you, but look, for some of you, some of you are barely surviving this week. But I'm glad you're here. So the idea, we, we're moving from just following the tracks to tones. And, 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 and this is what I want to say to you. This is because I'll, the, the thing about operating the Spirit, there, there's goofiness involved. And I was raised in a Pentecostal church, Pentecostal circles, and I saw all the bad that was involved. And then I, I've been around people that had all the Word, I guess, in some Word, but they had no Spirit. So we've got to learn to have a balance of both. And when you can have a balance of both, you're very effective and very powerful. And you're a threat to, to the kingdom of hell. And so the idea of that is when we learn to operate in spirit, and the Bible says Jesus grew in the, in the favor of God and man, when we can do that, wonderful things happen. But I will tell you that we'll, as I was telling Ron that day, you'll, you'll always, once you get involved in this, you'll see the, the, the pretenders from the contenders. You'll see it. Not to be judgmental, but, but, but God will give you a, a sense of, of discernment, what kind of what's going on. So we moved last week in the transition from just following tracks and signs and now then we're moving to sounds. And the idea was this. The idea was this. There's something wonderful when you can hear for the first time. And so the idea is that we've been talking about with this God. that We, we said that the Apostle Paul said this. He said that I'm, I'm wanting to attain God that's already attained me. One translation says, I'd like to get a hold of God because he's already got a hold of me. And the full understanding, he said, I would like to understand God because God already has understood me. This is the journey. This is it. And it's not just about going to heaven because if it was just going about heaven, God should have just killed you when you got it from the altar. God said, I want you to know me and I want you to know me in the power of the resurrection and have fellowship with me and walk with me and talk with me as it was with the first Adam. And it's still possible. Sin was the separator of this, but Jesus destroyed sin and not only that we can go to heaven, but he destroyed sin that we can have a fellowship and communion with him. So this morning for just a little bit, that when we move from, from just signs to sounds, we, when he's hunting a deer and killing a poor little innocent thing that's never done anything to you, he's, he sees the footprints, he sees the tracks, and, and he gets up early in the morning and he dresses funny and, 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 he, and, he, and he understands the footage and the signs, but for the first time that he hears this creature, things change. It's an indicator I'm getting close. So thankfully that you're here this morning and thankfully that you've been following signs of God. Thank you. We've been following tracks of God and, and verses and scriptures and, and things. But I will tell you that there is a transition. It's getting so close we can hear Him. And God is not limited by English or Spanish words. And so this morning I'm going to convince you somewhere in this message that, that God speaks in sounds and waves and tones and vibrations. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, when you don't even know how to pray or what to pray, the Spirit prays with groanings and utterances. 
The Holy Spirit is praying. He's not speaking in tongues. It's this groanings and utterances that's not bound by any languages known to man. And that spooks some of you. But the idea that God communicates through waves and tones and sounds and impressions is beyond human dialect. So as we begin this thing for, in sounds for the next 10 or 12 weeks or 6 or until I pass out, I will tell you that for the first time that this boy heard his father's voice, but he had no idea of what he was saying. He just heard it. And when he heard it, first thing he did, he kind of hit himself on the head. And we've done that first time you hear God, you go, am, am I crazy? Yes, you're crazy. But maybe you're hearing God and you don't know it's God. And maybe before this morning's over, maybe God had been speaking to you this time. And I know what you're wanting. You hear these guys on television, they're, they're, they're genius at this. And they say, yeah, I sent it to your eyes and go to the state called Oklahoma. And there you'll find a county called Carter. And there in Carter, there'll be a street called Fourth. and be a huge, you know, God really doesn't speak like that. Really. I can prove that in the book of James or book of Hebrews that, 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 that we know the things that were created, there are things that are seen, were things that are not seen by the word of God. And the word the is the word a is by word of God. God always speaks to these men in Hebrews chapter 11 by just a few short words. He told Abraham, go, just leave your father's house. That's it. That's it. <laughs> It'd be nice if God would fill in the blanks in your life, but he doesn't. But this thing for sure, even in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, that without a doubt, I'm not for sure what I'm supposed to do, but I know something, that I've heard something, felt something, and was impressed something that's deeper than my human intellect. God is doing something in my life. So when you get closer, we said this, that the sounds are indicators that we're getting closer to the thing that we're pursuing. Now, to, to most uh, denominational people and, and, and religious people, uh, I don't gel nor blend with them because I'm speaking a language and they're speaking another language and that's fine. And I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm completely different. But this is what I want to tell you in the nicest way. Some of you have been here for 30-something years with me, but this is what I'll tell you. I'll explain to you why that I've been explaining to you for the last few weeks why that I have had physical and spiritual invasions dealing with physical things. And it's not to boast about it, but I'll explain this to you in just a moment. So first of all, we learned last week in St. John chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus is giving them a description, and this is what he says. And when the porter put forth his sheep, his own sheep, he go before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus basically says a little bit, a few verses later, he said, and they shall follow me, they will not follow another, because they know my voice. We talked about this last week. The word know is where we get a word for being familiar with. Jesus said, they'll follow me. They'll know my voice. An imposter, they won't. An ventriloquist, they won't. There's something about when you, for the first time, that you have heard, felt, or been impressed by the word of God and the voice of God, a substitute will never work. Now, some of you may have never felt that, heard that, or experienced that, but I'll tell you, the good news is you're a great candidate if you'll just stay connected. Amen. But some of you didn't even know it was God's voice, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. And number two, that, that not only do we hear sounds, but God has given us the ability to distinguish sounds because there's a difference in, in our dialect between sounds and noises. 
And God by the Holy Spirit is not just one to create a noise spiritually in you. He wants you to be able to pick up sounds with a distinction. Because a noise bears witness that it's something that may be confusing or it's something that's a little distracting. But a sound, we get the, we, we get the idea that it's bringing these waves into our life and our spiritual man, and it brings understanding and comprehension. I want you to know that God never just wants His church to have noises of Him. He wants to have sounds of His. As Acts chapter 2 says, they heard a sound. It was like a rushing mighty wind. Didn't say it was a rushing mighty wind. There wasn't a tornado going on. They just said they heard something. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit began to move and flow. So the idea is this, that my sheep know my voice. Now the reason why that it's kind of important because that God wants us to have a distinction who, who, who he is and who he's not. Because there's people that's filed through this church that says they know God, but I'm going to tell you right now, they probably don't know him in the fullness that, that they should. And, and it's evident in their Christian walk. Okay? Oh, before my mother died, we lived in West Broadway Place, and I'm going to say this is the year about 1990. My mother was on fixed income, and where Orsland is now, or used to be, where uh, in Tiffany Plaza. I'm not sure what's over now. It used to be called Walls. Yeah. Any store that burnt down or had a flood, they moved it in the walls. Well, my mother, for Christmas, bought Galen and I a clock. It was on fixed income, and it was a bird clock. And I'd seen these, see them advertised, you know, red bird, blue bird, jay bird, you know, whatever. It, you, you see them, they got little alarms on them, they'll go off, you know, to gently remind you it's time to get up, you know. So my mother bought us a clock, and it was a round clock, and had all these birds on it, and I really didn't pay much attention to it. But I said, oh, that's great, greatest gift I ever gave, mother, appreciate that. And so uh, she said, why don't you just hang it right there? So right by the table, by the front room. So we hung it right there, put batteries in. Oh, it was great. I saw a red bird and didn't pay attention to it, but I said, oh, this is great. Well, little did I realize at 12 a.m. there was an alarm set on that clock. <laughs> but because my mother bought it at walls of a closeout of a store in South Mexico, it wasn't any American birds. It was all Amazon birds. And at 12 a.m., I heard a green-breasted pterodactyl <laughs> at 12 a.m. going, Gah! and I mean, immediately, I'm grabbing guns. I got gala. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think the cat's in the blender. It is loud. Really? And I kind of slipped in there, and I thought, what? Really, I didn't know. Really, I, I thought it was a rat, cat. I didn't know. I didn't know, it was a, I didn't know. But I know one thing. I didn't know what it was. And I peeked around the corner, and about when I got my ears dark, when I got my ear coming out of the door, it, it went off again. Oh, man. See, it's, it's very important that when you're dealing with God and walking the Spirit, it's kind of very important that you're familiar with the sounds that you're dealing with. And the psalm says, blessed is the man that knows the joyful sounds. So this is what I tell you as we begin this morning. God's not just in the business of making noises like this green-breasted pterodactyl to scare you in the middle of the night. God will never do anything in this service to spook you. And for you that are visiting, I, I'm fully equipped with the Spirit. I speak in tongues. I do a lot of things. 
that you've probably never heard me do it in the last 30 years in this place. Why? Because there's places and there's timings and there's settings for all this stuff. But I will tell you, if need be, I can, I can pull it to the forefront because the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. But I will tell you, the Holy Spirit's not here to, to insult you, hurt you, goof you. The Holy Spirit is given for a personal edification to build you up, to root you and ground you in truth. And anytime it becomes a sideshow, it's a sideshow. The sounds of the Spirit. So kind of keep in mind this morning, why is this so important? For the last few weeks, I've been talking about, like I talked about last week, somebody, God raised them from the dead. Praying for a calf, God raised him from the dead. Certain things. It's very important because this is what I'll say to you on this. That God will always, he will always pronounce his voice to you before he pronounces his voice for you. Okay? So, God will always pronounce his voice to you before he will pronounce his voice for you. So that don't even make sense, okay? Moses. Here's a guy that his name means to drawn out. So he's drawn out from the water. It means drawn out. But his whole life was indicative of this because God drew him out of the water, then God drew him out of the palace, and God drew him out of the wilderness. His whole life was a constant drawing out from one dimension to the other. But Exodus 3 will tell you that God had a conversation with him. Agreed? Agreed? All right. God's talking to him. Why would God be talking to him? Because evidently God had something for him to do. So God's having a conversation with him. He didn't send a letter, didn't write a letter, didn't draw. God is having a conversation with him in this burning bush. And he's giving him some information. He doesn't give him the whole story, but he's letting him become familiar with his voice. And when you get to Deuteronomy chapter 5, 40 days later after the Exodus, 40 day, or 50 days later, excuse me, after the Exodus, he goes to the mountain in Deuteronomy chapter 5. He's talking to God and God's talking to him and God's giving him the law of the Ten Commandments and God's talking to him. But when he comes down, all the people says, all we heard was thundering and volcanoes and fire. Moses was hearing God and the people was just hearing noises. Turn to somebody and say, you may want to wake up and listen to this. The Apostle Paul, which his name was Saul, we know for a fact that he made his living by persecuting Jews. We know that. Imprisoning men and women, murdering these people. I mean, he loved to do this, Jews, even though he was from the tribe of Benjamin, and, and he studied under Jamal, and he was the creme of the creme of the Jews. But yet, at noon, he's on his way to Damascus to go get another bunch of Christians. All right? So... So now that at noonday, he is going to Damascus to pick up a group of Christians. And listen to what it says in Acts chapter, he is replaying this. It happens in Acts chapter 9, but he is replaying this for his audience there in Judah. Now watch this, what he said. This is found in Acts chapter 22, verses 6 through 9, and it came to pass. That as I made my journey and was come nigh to Damascus about noon, suddenly that there shone from heaven a great light around about me. It was broad daylight, it's a hundred and something degrees, and whatever light came, it, out, it outshined a noonday sun. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, That I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Verse 9. 
And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and they were afraid that they heard not the voice of him that spoke to me. Hey, let me show you that in the Message Bible, just because you're all bored. As I arrived out in the outskirts of Damascus about noon, a blinding light blazed out of the skies. And I fell to the ground dazed, and I heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? And who are you, Master? I asked, and he said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one whom you're hunting down. My companions saw the light. But they didn't hear the conversation. I am not the Apostle Paul. But I will tell you, if I'm going to be brutally honest with you, I'm going to tell you, I feel this way about 51 weeks out of 52. And at Robin Phillips' funeral, some comments was made. Me, it, this whole thing was about me and Robin, and, and, and I understand that, but whether she was just from California or she was tuned to the Spirit, it, it was like, boy, when Robin was here, I mean, she, God had burned through the California mindset, and she was getting it, and she was screaming and hollering and hooping and hollering because truth be God, truth. But I'm hearing a voice, and, 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 I, and I hate to even say this because I love you with all my heart, but sometimes I feel like that you're, you, you may see the light and you see something happen to me that you're not hearing anything what's going on. And that's your prerogative. But if we're going to talk about me, I'm going to tell you the full story about me. And it goes even beyond this. Watch this. This is found dealing with, with John in the Isle of Patmos. This is John the Revelator. He's not on Patmos. He's in Patmos. He's 90 feet below. He's 81 years old. They put him there to die. He's in, he's in a mine. He's, the Bible says he's in Patmos, not on it. He's in it. He's there to die. He's down there by himself. And he said, I was in, the, in Patmos. I was down there swinging a shovel on the Lord's day. It doesn't mean on Sunday. It means curios demonia. It means curios. It means the Lord and dominion is Domitian's day. He said every, it was a day that Nero set aside for his son, for everybody to take the day off and worship Nero because Nero's son was Domitian, and not only that he was king and emperor, but he claimed to be divine. That day was set aside that they would worship Domitian, his son. And John said, I'm not having it. I'd rather die in this dungeon than worship some pagan god. So everybody's off worshiping Domitian, and John's in the bottom of this mine swinging a pick. And he said, this is where I'm going to die, and nobody will know when I'm going to die, and they don't care if I'm going to die, live or die, but I'll never make it out of this island. And the Lord shows up. And he says in Revelation 1 and 15, he says this, and he begins to speak to him. And I'm not going to talk to you about what he talks to him, but he's holding these seven candlesticks in his hand, and it was a Domitian's coin. And he said, and this, this represented, these, these seven candlesticks represented all the continent of Europe, all Domitian had control. And he said, look at here, I've got these seven candles in my hand. It ain't nothing to me. But when he begins to speak to John, he said his voice sounds like the water's. Many waters. It was his, when he spoke, his voice sounded like many waters. Many waters means it overwhelmed me. Anybody been in Niagara Falls? Overwhelming, isn't it? Brand Brandy just came. They said it's overwhelming. You just, you, there's no words you can put in. It's not necessarily the side. I've heard them talk about closing their eyes. It's overwhelming. Waters are overwhelming. 
And he said when Jesus began to speak, his voice sounded like many waters. It sounded like falls of water. That's overwhelming me. He said 15 seconds ago, I was about ready to end my life, and now then he's done something because he's spoken to me, and it's overwhelming. And the reason why, watch this, and the reason why that he talked to him because from chapters number 5 to about chapters number 19, it's all bowls, plagues, vials, antichrist. It's bad stuff. Every one of these, what's this, with Moses, with Saul, to John the Revelator, and even your pastor, God always talked to them before he took them on their voyage. Always. Every man that God ever called and commissioned, truly commissioned. And I told you the reason why I'm even talking about some of this stuff because I want you to know I'm not a life coach. I'm not a motivational speaker. This is not something I'm trying to pump you up. And I said the difference is a life coach and a motivational speaker, you're trying to make a good man better and and a preacher of the gospel is trying to tell you that you're a dead man and he's made you alive. And what happens is, is this is that God will always speak to you before he'll take you somewhere. Because wherever you're going, you'll always have huge question marks all around you. Did God really say this or I'm doing this on my own? And whether it be Moses, as a matter of fact, Jesus did the same thing. This is interesting. This is St. John chapter 12. Jesus is rehearsing his crucifixion in front of his disciples. And some of you don't even know this. Now my soul is troubled. He's telling them. And Jesus said, what shall I say? And this is what I'll say. Father, save me from this hour. He's talking about in Gethsemane. He's seeing something in the future. And isn't it amazing? It's, it's amazing that he already knows what's about to happen in Gethsemane a year before it happens. And he's carrying this around. It's not like that Gethsemane happened, I mean, and he just wandered down the hill. He's carrying the crucifixion with him. We talked about being born in a manger and wrapped in, in, in swaddling clothing. You heard me say swaddling clothes in his burial clothes. That's what they buried them in. And the metaphor is that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was wrapped in a burial clothing. He was born to die. So now then he's rehearsing this with the disciples and they're hearing it. But what's this? My soul is troubling. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I came unto this hour. Watch what he said. He said, God, you call me to this hour. Now my soul is troubled. So Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Woo! Next verse. And the people therefore that stood by it, heard it, said it thundered. And some said, maybe an angel spoke to him. You see, the idea of this is Jesus and the fathers having this conversation. And Jesus, even just a year or so before the crucifixion, is carrying this weight around. It's showing you the humanity side of Jesus. It's already, it's already, we know in Gethsemane that, 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 that the stress on his veins and his, his, his forehead is so great that it's 
busting blood vessels. Blood is coming out way before the crown of thorns hits him because he's been carrying this. But because he's been carrying this, it, it should be a sign to us. When we're carrying things and we haven't got the answer yet, God still knows what to say to us. And he's heard it. But the Bible says those that are around him, they just heard it thundering. And then probably somebody around them said, well, maybe it was an angel talking. And I don't know who that rocket scientist was, but it beats thundering. You see what I'm saying? That, that, that when God speaks to you, somebody said, oh, you just got gas. When I get up here and I teach you biblical principles, what really frustrates me is that I guess you think I get it on the Internet or I watch 3 a.m. TV evangelists. I'm telling you about 99.9% .9 of anything that I know in here, I get it from God. It shocked a lot of people that walked to me and said, well, what's your favorite book to read? I said, it's the Bible. It shocked them. The idea is this, that, that when I hear things and, and, and we say things, and maybe God is saying some things to you, and then somebody looks at you and says, oh, it's just thundering. I mean, you're, you know, you're just full of hot air. That wasn't God. And, but maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God is saying some things to you. And that's very important. So here's, here's kind of where we end this this morning, kind of on it simple. This is found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 3, verse 1. Now, the angel has already went to Samuel's mother and father and kind of gave them the scoop what's going on. Said he's going to be good. He's going to be great. And God's going to use him. This is before he even was born. There was a wicked priest by the name of Eli. He had two, help me if he is, he had, they had two corrupt sons that was making mockery in the house of God. Some of you know this. And, and Eli was the priest, and he'd been doing this so long, but he had got so fat and lazy. And the Bible says that, we'll talk about this later, but when God gets through here in this, in this little passage of Scripture that it shocked Eli so much, even though he was a priest, he fell over and broke his neck. Here you are a priest, and for the first time you hear God. So now then, the child Samuel, the word child is Naar in the Hebrew. It's any word from a padion in the Greek, padion probably to a weos. And that means in the Greek, it means basically a five-year-old to a 12-year-old, somewhere in there. But the Hebrew doesn't really put it in that, in that canon, so it used the word Naar, and we're going to say from, from, from probably elementary school to middle school. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Eli was the priest. Now, this is what I want to say to you before we, we, we take off. He has no formal education. It's a young boy, but he's ministering unto the Lord. Now, there was 24 courses. There were 24 courses of the priesthood, and everybody had their own job, and we're not going to talk about that. And then we're not for sure what, what, what functions he had. It was just different things. But we're not for sure what function he had, but we know one thing. He ministered unto the Lord. Now, hear me. He ministered to the Lord. He didn't really know what he was doing, but he was ministering to God. And matter of fact, that even though that, that nobody came into the temple all week long, but it doesn't matter, he was ministering to the Lord. He didn't say, oh, I hope we have a big crowd Sunday because I really got to sharpen up my tie here. That's not what's going on. Nobody's around. Nobody comes through. Nobody thanks him. Nobody even knows if he lives or dies. He said, but my heart is 
bent towards ministering to God. Now there's a verse, there's a verse, and I think it's verse now. Watch this. And now Samuel did not know yet that the Lord, neither knew the word of the Lord was revealed unto him. So here he is, ministering to the Lord, doing everything he's supposed to do, and he did not even know God was anywhere in the neighborhood. It's amazing. So here's the story. Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, he's a young boy. He's working in, he's working in the church or the, the tabernacle, and Eli was the priest, and he was a bad example. Horrible. Eli was letting his sons have, never mind, with women in the temple. You can read it for yourself. And so what happens was that Eli went to bed and Samuel went to bed as a boy. And the Bible says in these few verses, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel. And Samuel jumps up and he runs to Eli and he said, yes, sir. And Eli says, what do you want? And Samuel said, well, you called me. And Eli said, you're having a bad dream. Go back to bed. So the boy goes back to his chamber. He lays down. And the Lord spoke to him again. And he said, Samuel. And Samuel jumps up and he runs to the room of Eli. And he said, yes, sir. Ready for duty. And Eli looks at him, and he said, I did not call you. And Samuel said, but I heard you call. And for the first time ever, a backslidden priest and a donkey from Balaam got it right. They were both, you know what, donkeys. And he said, son, I think God's speaking to you. And Samuel didn't even know about the word of the Lord. He didn't even know God was even in the neighborhood. He was just carrying out a religious duty. And Eli said, if you hear it again, just say, Lord, I hear you. And I'm ready to obey. Can you imagine an 11-year-old boy hearing this for the first time? So he goes back to bed. And God speaks to him again. He says, Samuel, Samuel. It's kind of like calling a middle name. Like Steve Byers, you know his name is, is Ray. They named him after Stevie Ray Vaughan because he's a guitar player. Oh, he is bad on the guitar. I don't know if that's good or bad, but he can, that's his middle name. But anytime you hear Stevie Ray coming to the house, when that middle name is injected, we come. Yes. Catherine's boy is Alexander. We call him Alex. But he's not in trouble until we call him Alexander. I've never heard Jude yet. When he said, Alexander, boy, he pops up and he comes to mama. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And this is what he said. He said, yes, Lord. I guess. And God begins to speak to him. Watch what God says to him. The Lord said unto Samuel, behold, that I'm going to do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hear it shall tingle. You know what God was doing? He was talking to the boy, watch this, before God ever put him in the priesthood. Why? Because God wanted to make sure 
that he that Samuel would only follow God's instruction. And we don't have time to talk about this morning, but most of you are good Bible students, but I will tell you, in that era of time, there was so much corruption and paganistic worship going on that they turned to Samuel over and over because they said basically this, we know that you know his voice. And we've heard the prophets rise up and say this and say that, and we follow the false prophets, and we follow paganistic ways, but Samuel, we know you know him. The idea of that this morning is this, that on your journey with God, some of you, that God has been speaking to you and you've never known it. Some horrible things have happened to your life. Some very horrible things have happened to your life. But if you kind of look back somehow that something told you, something touched you, something moved to you before it happened. You see, I made it my living that I'm not here because somebody voted me in and I'm not here because it's a good idea. I'm telling you, years ago, God spoke to me and I heard some things. And because I've heard some things, He's prepared me for times like this. Say, so in about 1980, I was in full throttle going the wrong direction. And I saw Ron Bryant, and he waved, we was going the same direction. And Gail and I were together. We were not married yet, but we were together, and boy, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was possessed. I was possessed. I know that now. I lived in fear. I responded to fear. I wouldn't go to funerals. I wouldn't go where anybody is dead, dying. Wouldn't go. Would not go. I was afraid of it. I'd raised in church, but I, I was so far on the other end that I was beyond just rebellion. I was doing my very best to prove God wrong in every direction. Darren Miller knows all about that. And so what happens is that Gail and I, that Sunday morning, we truly gave our heart to God. We repented. Truly. Born again. And so, I, I don't know. I think Brad might have lived there, but there is a, Mark knows, there's a little community south of Ringland. So that Sunday morning, I got saved. I mean, I got saved. We both got saved. And that Monday or Tuesday, I was working for an old company called Jetco. We did open hole logging, and so we would go, not to bore you anymore, but the, what we did, we, we did explosive. We'd blow up things. But when we go to a well, whether it be a drilling rig or whatever, that we may be there for hours before we did what we need to do. And so we go to Cornish on a Tuesday, which is two days after I got really born again. And I'll tell you, I, my feet hadn't hit ground yet. I was still feeling it. And so I went to this place, got this Cornish, and got off on the backside of nowhere. And it was the fall of the year. Now keep in mind, 
keep in mind, the guys that I worked with, one of them was my brother. But I'll tell you, God had already prepared me for my enemies with my family. See, some of you got a family that's really honoring, and God just did that because he was preparing you for the Antichrist to come. So you understand that. I had that family. Oh, baby. I mean, every family union, I mean, mean, it was fussing and fighting and screaming and dish just throwing. I mean, that was a common practice. So uh, it was the fall of the year on that Tuesday morning. We headed to Cornish and never been there before. Got off in there. And the driller said, it's going to be about six hours. I, but it's all right. God had calmed me down. So I told somebody this long time ago, and it won't mean anything to you, but it means everything to me. That I told my brother and the guy that I work with, just because I got saved and I was glad I met Jesus, but you know what? Not everybody was glad I met Jesus. You're going to find out that when you come in contact with God, not everybody's excited that you heard from God. And you're going to find out a lot of problems that you have, you're just dealing with spirits, even in this church house. They're spirits. And you've got to push through them. And let the Word of God push through them. And it's okay, but just, just don't buckle. Just let the Spirit of God go before you. So I told my brother, they, they, oh, I mean, when they said they, they broke out the, the, the beverages and the magazines and, you know, all that stuff, I said, you know, I think I'm going to take a walk. You, you guys, and they call me little Jimmy Swagger for a while, but it's all right, you know. They didn't say it to my face where I could hit them, but anyway, because I still was barely saved. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take a walk. And off I went. I just went walking somewhere around corners, and, and I, just, I just started walking and, about a half a mile and well God was just he was just real to me and real in me and you know I'm just thanking him because my life had been changed no doubt about it nobody convinced me my life was changed I was changed I'm the guy that took a shredded knife the night before I got saved and, and cut my stomach wide open and cut my arm wide open just to make my wife mad and I mean I cut her deep and blood was running bad that what I'm talking about demon possessed that's what I'm talking about Yes, sir. I got saved. I'm telling you, I got saved. And the rest of you, I don't know what happened to you, but I got saved. And I'm still saved. And I'm still thankful for the grace of God in my life. I got off down there, and and I come upon a cemetery. And it was about the size of this church, maybe, and had a wrought iron fence all the way around it. And it was in the fall of the year, and I remember I kind of was just one gate and so I went in this cemetery and I was probably a half a mile from anybody else I couldn't see the truck and I'll tell you the best way that I can this is about two days after I got saved I kind of made my way into the cemetery and I kind of started it was a family cemetery with about 40 plots probably old it's old and I started reading these little inscriptions and I'm telling you right now it's not gas, it was God. And when I, when I stood there by myself and I read this, this is what the Holy Spirit told me, just as clear as I'm talking to you. He said, don't you ever be afraid of this. Because this is a wound of eternity. And something went out of me. I mean, just something went out of me. 
And I will tell you what went out of me was the fear of death. And I've never been afraid of it since. I've never been afraid to die. I've never been afraid of death. I've held my mother and father's hands at it. And, and I've, I've, I've held people's hand in this church that passed away. But I've never been afraid of it because that day on a fall morning in Cornish, Oklahoma, God, like many waters, spoke to me. And He said, don't you ever be afraid. And I've never feared it again. So this is what I'm telling you. God may be speaking to you and you don't even know it. God may be talking to you and you're not aware of it. Some of you may be looking for English words and it's not there. But God is not limited to dialects. But it could be tones, it could be waves, it could be impressions. But no matter what He says and what we do, we always validate it by the Word of God. So I will tell you, and I've talked a long time this morning, but Jeffrey and I, we've talked about this. God will go from dreams and visions and talk to you at night because your conscience is at rest and you're not fighting God. He'll speak to you at night in your dreams because your little brain that's like jello is now still and God will speak some things to you. And some of you may or may have not experienced this, that you've heard or felt God's presence in your life and you woke up the next morning and you said, I don't remember what happened, but I think God was in my room. Because I know what it's like for, for a demon to be at my bedside where I become so terrified that I couldn't move. I couldn't wake up. Know that experience. So what happens is, this is what I would tell you. Am I going to tell you this morning that God's going to take, talk to everyone? No, just only those that are His. So I'm asking God this morning to open up the ears of your heart, to calm your mind and steal your emotions, and God will speak to you. And He'll give you peace, He'll give you rest, He'll prepare you for the voyage. But as Moses, as Saul, as Jesus, and as all through these men, like Samuel through the Bible, God will always speak to them first before He takes them to the place where they're going to go. So let God speak to you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Some of the impressions that God is going to speak to you is to remind you that you're loved. He knows who you are. Your mother and father forgot you. Someone wrote you off in the divorce papers. But it was that time that you were laying still that you were broken in two. The Holy Spirit climbed in bed with you, laid His head up on the pillow and said, I've always loved you. You're mine. And no matter where you go and what you'll face, I want you to know my voice. Don't fear this. Of all the tragedies and 
heartaches that you've experienced, but if you'll think about it just for a moment, probably God has been speaking to you before that tragedy happened. Just loving you, establishing you. Some of you like the boy Samuel. You love God and you're here and you don't even know that God's even around in that realm. But little do you realize that God is calling you. He's speaking to you. He's just letting you know He has plans for your life. That person beside you, because they're out of fellowship with God, they're out of... They're walking in disobedience. All they hear is noises and thunders, but not you. <laughs> You're surrounded with a room full of people that are religious, but and they don't even have a clue that God is even in the building, but... They're hearing noises and thunderings. And, but you're hearing His voice. And that voice is to do two things. is to confirm your hands, strengthen your knees, to prepare you for the journey ahead. So Father, this morning, very simply, would you please open up our ears that we could hear you. We want to be like this little boy that Jordan showed us for the first time we heard you and our eyes turned into saucers we didn't understand you but for the first time we heard your voice don't fear this don't be afraid I'm with you I'm for you I'll prosper you I'll be with you to the end of the age Father, second of all, would you just speak to your people? Just let us know that you're nearest and dear to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would this morning. Communion service, if you'll please come this morning. The only way that we're truly going to survive this, ladies and gentlemen, is that we'll hear his voice. The only way John the Revelator could survive the trumpets and the bowls and the plagues and the Antichrist is because chapter 1, God spoke to him. The only way that Moses could endure everything that he endured is because God spoke to him first from the bush. So whatever God has lays before us, I'm asking God to speak to you. Quit doing it on your own. Let Him speak to you. No more thunderings, no more noises. It's His voice. Father, this morning that we, we separated and we drew boundaries in this place, we drew lines. This is your sanctuary where we really want to hear you. So I pray this morning that, that there are many little Samuels in this place that are going to hear you call them in the night. Call them by name. Isaiah 43 said, I have called you by name. I have redeemed you. Thou art mine. So, Father, this morning, just reassure us as we 
continue to follow you, that we hear sounds that are indicators that we're close to you. That will help us along the way. In Jesus' name. Some of you have been raised in church. Some of you have been trying to follow tracks and signs, but I will tell you that you are here this morning by divine appointment that God has been speaking to you. All your enemy do it does wants to speak to you about your past, but, but God wants to speak to you about your future. It'll make your ears tingle what God wants to do to you and through you. So let him speak to you. Let him call you. You'll never be the same again. That night, Jesus, he took it his disciples, he took the bread in the cup, and he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. For 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the covenant, this ordinance of the unleavened bread, but now then this bread represents my body. I am the bread of life. There's no leaven within me. There's no sin within me. As often as you take this bread, it will remind you of me. He took the cup, which was the third cup, and he lifted it up and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this ordinance of the Lamb's blood. It was been sprinkled upon the doorpost in the shape of the cross, but now then, it's a new Lamb's blood. It's my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And it will be taken and placed in the shape of a cross. And as often as you take of this cup, it will remind me, you of me. Father, this morning we're getting closer. I can hear you. Help us lead others to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.